Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We are getting near the end of season five. I am your co-host and partner in crime, Pastor Brad Mathias. I'm here with Robert Beeson. Does this not ever feel like this? What was that SNL? Like, what Al Baldwin? Like, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, we're we're excited about this episode, but before is it called Coffee Talk? Something like that, where they talk really, really. Well, there was all kinds of skits, you know. Sundell is genius. Maybe we shouldn't get it. Yeah, we probably shouldn't go down the bunny trail. Okay, so Robert, wait. No, before you do this, I want to tell our listeners I have a new hat on. And they should go to YouTube and see it. It's a it's a very Tennessee hat. Okay. Well, I've been wearing different hats almost every in every interview. You didn't notice because you were sick. I you didn't, didn't feel notice. This. I didn't didn't notice at all. Well, if you want to see my hat, it's, it's on a YouTube. fine looking hat. Thank I'm you. glad you brought attention. to I that bought thing. it right outside the street here in Columbia, Tennessee. I actually do like it. It's, it's valuable information for our listeners. Oh yeah. All right. Okay, so one of the things we've been doing is just kind of asking each other questions, random questions, and we've learned some stuff about each other, um, and I've been stumped a number of times. So today, you are on the hot seat, Brad, mm-hmm. and I want you to pick a number between 1 and 25. How about lucky 13? Who had the most influence on you growing up? Oh, that's a, that's a deep question. Um Probably my mom. I know that's sort of cliche. I don't have the tattoo, but um, Hmm. yeah, my mom is the most joyful, happy, kind person I've ever known. Infectious. Yes. Perfect word for her. We call her Mimi now. Um, She's the only woman over 70 that can wear leather pants and like And look good. Yeah. Yeah. She's 78 and she's- Not afraid of anybody. Full of it. You know, she's- Last night she went out to O'Charlie's to have salmon because she just wanted to salmon. Who does that in the middle of a storm, you know, at night in the winter, 78 years old. She was always put together. She's always got an outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of glam. She taught me, I mean, I I remember she had a time of prayer and reading the Bible every morning Mm. of my life, like without fail. Yeah. That. That was... No, I believe it. You know, she just constantly... I mean, it was just a thing. Foundational. So, you know, we can talk about all the parenting skills in the world, but at the end of the day, I saw it. Modeling it. Yeah. I mean, she lived it. I would have to answer that same question, I think. Um, Out of the Gray was probably the most influential thing in my childhood. Really? (laughs) Yes. Well, you know... That's actually I say that in jest because they're in, they're in the studio. With I was going to say that's kind of coincidental. But I yeah. will say that I was a major fan before I got into starting my own label. I was a fan of Out of the Gray. I, um, I told you before they got here, I was a little bit of a fanboy. Yep. You know yep. we've we've interviewed a lot of people and a lot of very famous, successful Christian artists, but Scott and Christine Dente. Hmm. I was listening to their music before I was a Christian, so. Before I had anything to do with Christian music. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited to have them in the studio today. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting, Scott and Christine. 
Thank you. We can talk now. We, yeah. You can talk yeah. now. <laughs> I know it's the most awkward thing. Like we even I didn't like know we, where to look. <laughs> I understand. We talk like you're not in the room, and then we just turn and say, "Oh, you're in the room. Oh, yeah. look." <laughs> We're glad you guys are here. Thank you. So Thank much. you for making time. That was a that was daunting. What you just said though about being the most fans. influential. Well, well, not only that, but when you talked about um, what, how did you put it, famous and successful. Success, yeah. Well, that and was they interviewed those people already before yeah. us. Yeah. And then, no, then we weren't talking about you. Uh, right. Right. I don't. That's, I just wanted to make the delineation. That, <laughs> and then we interviewed out of the gray. <laughs> Because nobody else would return our calls, and we just kept going down the list. No, in all sincerity, I was a huge fan of what you guys did, and I think really marked a, a different season in, in Christian music. I can you remember really listening yeah. to the first album, and the production, and Christine, your voice is just like, gosh, I hadn't heard anything like that before. And so, um, you guys were very successful, and I'm we're grateful to have you guys here, and and to because of the mark you made on Christian music, and now your kids are continuing doing music, and probably more importantly. You uh, have parented well, and um, so we're glad for you guys to fix us because we're not necessarily parenting well. <laughs> well, we have gotten to the point where we have parented our children to adulthood. It doesn't mm-hmm. always translate into well. Yeah. Most of it looks pretty good from the outside, but of course, we all know there are always the things that you can't see that, you know, our kids are struggling as adults in ways that we yeah. wouldn't want them to have to, but there's no perfect parenting. Uh, let me ask you this, and this is kind of putting you on the spot, and I'd don't mean to, but if, if there was one thing that you could pick out, like we really shouldn't have done that, like in parenting our kids. That's not before. Nice, no, well, I'll, I'll no, tell no, you. That's I mean, a great question. because it's for helpful. me, it is mean. Though. So helpful for yeah. people. It is a little for rough. people. I'll go general. In okay. The, on the answer, yeah, yeah. and then Scott will get specific. Okay, that. that's perfect. Generally, I think we would both agree that we brought fear into our parenting mm-hmm. that we would love to have known better about. I yeah. so agree. I don't know that's... if we could have, but. Fear is the thing that I would have left out. Uh, yeah, and to be a little more specific, <laughs> as you said, uh, I think the way that it, one of the ways that it happened, and this relates directly to us being on the road, you know, as young parents, we got on a tour bus um, with Julian when he was five and a half weeks old mm-hmm. because our A&R, um, our A&R executive's wife told us, babies are really, uh, trans. you know, they, you can transport them anywhere. They just need to be with their parents. Mm-hmm. And we were like, Okay, that sounds good. Because as it turns out, this is the only job we ever wanted, and we finally got it. So we have to get on that bus, and we did. And so it started. It started basically fourteen years of of doing just that, taking mm-hmm. kids on the road with us. So we would um, we'd release a child, then we'd release a record, <laughs> and then we'd get on a bus, and we did that. We did that for a long time. We didn't have three kids, but yeah. but so we uh, but there were um, yeah. But I think one of the one of the things that we did, one of the things that happened early on was, you know, we had this little traveling band, you know, our family on the road all the time, and so it's a very, it, it's a scary scenario for for parents having having infants and toddlers on the road because yeah. it's it is what it is. You're going, you're roaring down the highway, you know, on this steel bus with I know. people that you'd probably rather not be with most of the time, but you're right. stuck with them for however many months. And there's this driver, and you put your kids in these bunks. There's no seatbelts, no, except for the driver. Yeah, exactly. I didn't exactly. Know if he wore it, you know. Know. But, you know. And and so we we just we did this for a lot of years. And so when we could control things, when we thought we could control things, mm. we did things like um, 
We bought the safest car. We bought a Volvo station wagon as soon as we could. <laughs> we moved into a cul-de-sac so we could see everybody that's right. coming. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like we did all of this stuff for the perception of safety. And, you know, obviously some of it is actual. Of course. Good to do. and true. Yeah. But that anxiety. Kind of permeated. Definitely leaked yeah. out. Yeah. And, um, and our kids picked up on it in their mm-hmm. own unique ways. Yeah. And, and now they've manifested it as, mm-hmm. as, as, you know, as adults as well. And we talk about it because we talk about everything in our family. Yeah. Mm. And we don't always come out smelling like roses, you know, yeah. seen or not. Well, thank you for being vulnerable about that. Yeah, so I, I certainly got. deal with the same I thing. I mean, I think most parents struggle with that motivation of, you know, my parenting out of fear or love. And, um, I, you know, Robert and I uh, definitely flunked parenting one-on-one mm. and, uh, We've spoken uh, uh, at length about it on our podcast, but one of the things that's really cool as I've, I've sort of just talked with you a little bit and I've read up on what you've been doing in the last few years is that you guys seem to be moving into a season of your life where you're much more comfortable and much more at ease with yourself and with the whole idea of being parents of adult kids. Can you talk about that a little bit? What have you guys done in that area of life? I think we the groundwork was laid a long time ago when Scott and I started having to be part of groups that talked about our own stories, mm-hmm. our own childhood, mm-hmm. and how we were formed and, and how, why we react the way we react or act the way we act. So I did a bunch of groups, and including Adult Children of Alcoholics, which is a 12-step group, mm-hmm. ACA, mm-hmm. and Scott, too. And so to begin to disseminate our own stories and our own influences, I think has just swept us to where we are now in our fifties and, and able to rest a little more comfortably with the process of life and aging and let it be our teacher instead of the thing that we kick against. And right. <laughs> it's so, that's <clears throat> so true. I mean, hitting 50 was like a, wow, how do we get here? And we're, but now we're here. And so it's time to kind of start looking at things differently and taking inventory of things differently. So how has your parenting changed since you now have adult kids. I mean, some practical ways that you've noticed in your life, you've kind of adjusted. Yeah. I, I think, I think seasonally, and I think we all know this as any parents that have been on the, that have children that are getting a little bit older, there's the seasons of there's, there's straight up, you know, parenting and you have to, to literally feed and clothe them. Yeah. You know, when, when they're little um, or else they won't survive. And <laughs> then, you know, they, not only do they play in the backyard, but they go out into the cul-de-sac or out into the neighborhood. And then that terrifying day when they drive away for mm-hmm. the first time and, and which is a, which is a, the root cause of all gray hair. Um, I, I think children driving. I agree. Um, but anyway, there's, there's, so there's the parenting phase and then there's what I think is, uh, as they get a little bit older, there's the coaching phase. Mm-hmm. And then there's, they don't even want coaching anymore. Then there's, to me, it's just the observing and listening phase. And we've, We've hit the listening phase for sure. Um, we still, because we've been talking with our kids the whole, the whole journey, they do still want to hear from us, but it doesn't seem to have the weight yeah. that um, it had to have. Um, it That's still such a hard transition to make. It, it, it really has been because we've, we're both communicators, Christina right. and I are both communicators. So we long to affect change with what we communicate yeah but i think the hardest the, the people that are kind of raising their eyebrow the most are the ones that have been with us all the way and those are our kids and, and they're fantastic adults yeah. and sometimes when i'm arguing with my my middle daughter karina i'm like 
man, I create, I help create this. <laughs> exactly. You know? You're seeing little reflections of yourself. How do I fight this? I, you know, I built this, you know. And, and I she's always, perfecting it. Yes, she's she so good at it. I wanted my kids to be critical thinkers and, and ask Nailed questions. It. Not just fill them up with information. Nailed it. Well, you're going to get critical thinkers when you want to raise your critical thinkers. And so, um, but what's wonderful is that I, I'm learning so much from the challenges mm. of my adult children. Mm telling me things they're learning or, you know, challenging things that I taught them. For a quick example, yeah. uh, one of our, our daughter, uh, Karina, is a, she's a social worker. She's mm. getting her master's in social work right now. And um, she has reminded us, you know, I, I, I either overhear a conversation or I'm part of a conversation where she's saying, Dad, you realize what you're doing right now? That's a microaggression. And really, it's, it's racist as well. And I'm like, great. So I'm, I'm a, a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit aggressive and definitely racist. Like, yeah, pretty much. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's but, really great. But I've noticed that with my sister and me and other parents whose kids are adults now with their own ideas, that the, the choices are, you know, you either continue to, to kick against and try to argue what your children are learning and hmm. changing, uh, maybe changing some of their beliefs. Or you learn from them and maybe kind of start to go follow them. It used mm. to be that my girls would follow me more. And now I'm kind of following them and the way they're going. And it's, it's humbling and wonderful because I'm keeping my beginner's mind. Mm. I'm trying to keep my beginner's mind up there. And learning. I don't know hardly anything. I know mm. so little. Um, I love that I could we could bring up our kids in a conservative, um, somewhat rigid uh i wouldn't call it rigid mm. but just the conservative approach is helpful as i've learned from mm. richard Rohr. Mm -hmm. children and then when they grow they need to find their own you know rules or or break the yeah. rules yeah so i'm thankful that we were conservative in our homeschooling and in did our you homeschool all theology. all the way through school yeah wow that's a big undertaking it was it was exactly what i wanted to do though because Fear, control, mm. not all of it. Most of it was I wanted to be with my kids as much as possible. Well, we were on the road for but quite a bit. That's true. Yeah. Well. From a practical so, standpoint, it made sense. Yeah. But to release them now to their working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, great verse. It is a wonderful and scary proposition. But what else am I going to do? Argue them to go to the church I think they should be going to? Right, yeah. I don't even know if I like the church I'm going to. <laughs> So there's something really what beautiful. What church are you going to? Yeah, I know. Let's uh, get that on the record. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as I'm listening to you guys talk, um, I think I'm a grand. I don't think. I am a grandfather. Uh, I have three grown kids as well. My oldest is 25. My youngest is 21. Uh, Robert is older than I am and, and uh, vastly more experienced at this. But you're right. All of us in the room, right? We're we're all past the stage of the toddler and the the diapers, and we're we're past the teen angst, and we're into the sort of the re reflective phase of life of looking at parenting. But a lot of our listeners are sort of, you know, they're they're right now struggling to get the laundry caught up, or they're they're trying to figure out should they homeschool or should, is the public school safe, or you know, there's there's they're in the middle of this, and I think it's helpful for them to hear some perspective from folks who've tried some things, um, some that worked, some that didn't. But at the end of the day, 
I think they need reassured. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I, man, I, you're you're so you're so right about the, needing the reassurance. And and I think one of the one of the things as I we had the whole family over on on Sunday, and uh, Karina always gets out the family videos. We st- we have a working VCR at our house. It, really, so yeah, it hides in the closet. <laughs> she knows how to plug it in. That's incredible. Yeah, actually, and it used to really hurt me when they put in the ones where they were toddlers and because so much time has gone by and, and it's mm-hmm. the whole, it's the whole dad thing of like, even though I was there, I wasn't like absent. I was there. It just hurts. It's hard for me to watch. Cause it's like, where did that go? And, it's an you know, ache. And, and Chris is always reminding me they're right here. It's them. <laughs> That's that, you know? And, and so, so I, I've gotten better about that, but I think the thing that I would, what I do realize is I'm watching those videos and I see that the house and the backyard, how much life, house was filled with Mm -hmm. the way that i would encourage younger parents is to say just yes the laundry yes all of it but definitely stop and look around this is the absolute best thing that is happening right now and it's not that the future is not good as well because i love where we're at with our family right now but looking back on those days it was it was wonderful and we were busy as all get out we were as busy as any family could be you know in and out of town always had a suitcase packed but um they were really really magical times of being together as a family and so i I guess my encouragement is just that is to stop and look because it it really doesn't get any better than when your kids are are young Mm. it was fun yeah i jotted a few notes down too because i thought about if people are listening to this who have young kids if they've listened this far then they they really do want to know what's the perspective that i could have maybe just a piece of it and so a couple of things that i i would remind young parents of are that perfection is a myth. You can't do it perfectly. Hmm. Let that go. Um, and maybe 30% of, of good, if you, thir- if you parent well for 30% of the time, you're probably doing great. I agree. And your children <laughs> are going to get the benefits. Yes. <laughs> you I want agree. to be technical about it. Um, <laughs> remember that your kids have a, a kind of a genetic trajectory of their own, their personality is kind of ingrained from birth. There's, you know, some things that you can take credit for, but you can't take credit for all. They're good hmm. and bad qualities. They're yeah. just going to they're going to grow up and be who they are, make their own decisions, their and, own people. And deal with who they are. Hmm. God made them to be and their propensities one way or the other. So, I think I fell into the idea that um, everything I did, I had to do everything right because I was going to control all outcomes. Right. Whereas very few outcomes are trying to shape the world into my old my own image is kind of yeah. And I think maybe a lot of homeschoolers fall into that, Mm. thinking that if we do all the right things, we get all the right outcomes, and it just doesn't happen. Whether you choose the best Christian private school or or you know make sure your public school is safe, we just can't guarantee how our kids are, what their choices are going to be, and how that affects their own lives. Right. So true, and I and I. I agree with all those things. I think the thing that I look back, cause I, I like you, Scott, like I look back at these videos. In fact, just today I saw um, an image of one of my daughters um, when she was like four years old. And I, I can't, I can't explain. It's not like I was sad, but there was this ache, like, Oh my gosh. And I think the reason to echo what you guys are saying was that I know for a fact in my career days, it wasn't that I wasn't home. Cause I made a point to be home and it wasn't that I didn't tuck them in. Cause I did tuck them in. It was just that I realized now being older, how I wasn't present. Like I wasn't completely available. And 
you could you could make a good case for the fact that I was because I didn't miss things, but I know that I wasn't fully engaged, and so um, I couldn't agree more that 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 is one of the things that I regret the most, and actually I think ultimately cost my marriage. Um, but looking at my parenting, this idea of just being present is is something that you know. I mean, I don't beat myself up. It's not this terrible regret, but if there was kind of helping younger parents, like mm-hmm. stuff can wait and yeah. just be completely in the game when you're with them. Yeah. I, I think one of, I think we're all in total agreement. And uh, the voice that I would say to the parents who are listening and uh, maybe in the middle of the stress and the chaos of, of younger children or even teenagers is to not only be aware that this is a fantastic time in your life, but to actually have some fun. You know, I think I was so uptight. Um, you still are. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, the fun comes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the fun comes when you honestly believe that not only that you're in the moment and that you're not constantly grasping out there. Right. For what's next? What's next? What am right. I? What do I have to plan? Or what am I doing wrong? Or in the past, what what, what mistakes have I made? Trying to really be in the moment, which I think. Is very difficult for human beings. It is. Period. Period. It's a discipline that, like, but, it's not. But I think it's harder for Christians. Uh, honestly, yeah. As a pastor, I can tell you, we get uptight. Yeah. I mean, we hold on tight, man. This whole idea of grace is really not as accepted as we'd like to think it is. You're yeah. so right. Why can't we live grace? That's ah, absolutely. Exactly well, because we, he's he's supposed to have all the answers. Exactly. Yeah, he signed up. <laughs> but he signed to have up them. to have the gospel of grace be everything right. he lived for. Right. But he it. just admitted not understanding it. So yeah. I don't either. <laughs> he's in big trouble. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm a failed pastor as well as a parent. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we could get to the bottom of some yeah, things. Exactly. No, I'm, yeah. We'll just get Really important episode. I, I had I had another thought, which is rare for me, but um, and it's that um, in terms of help, hoping to remind younger parents, is that um, you are parenting from a from a from a whether you, you know we're all first time parents when we're mm-hmm. when we're first time parents, and I used to remind my kids we didn't have any rehearsal children. This is the show, <laughs> you know. So if you think that's not fair or somebody's getting we're we're make we're making this crap up. <laughs> this is improv. This is all yeah. We're we're just going for it. All right. So sorry about that not fair thing. I'll just remind you what my mother said. Life isn't fair. You know yeah. she was actually right. Okay, but so we're parenting from a place, and often Christine and I notice we're totally parenting from a reactive place. We talked about it before, mm-hmm. the whole safety thing and all that stuff. And my my parenting came from a place of like my whole story is I grew up in a house with with uh, a mom and dad that stayed together, but I grew up with a father that didn't say anything. Mm. I used to make up fatherly advice. My dad always said, my dad always <laughs> said nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's funny, but if I'm not laughing, yeah. I'm crying. No, I, man, I mean, that's so, so true. when I was about 15, yeah. like the image for me that I always talked about was like, as I've done a lot of father work, the image for me was that my dad dropped me off on the corner. Like we're riding in the car and it was about 15. He like pulled over and was like, sorry, pal, this is where, this is where you get out. I got nothing left because mm. he didn't. He didn't have any. He didn't have any tools to talk to a fifteen-year-old artistic. Yeah, it wasn't sensitive in, young man. You it know? wasn't intentionally. He wasn't. He was yeah, just. He loved me. Yeah. He just didn't know what to say. Yeah. And so my reaction to that was, I used to joke that my son would someday be in a in a support group of um, sons of fathers who wouldn't shut the heck up, <laughs> you know, because I was just always in his room, and and so my whole thing, my 
overreaction to my father not saying anything because mm. I said everything all the time. And my son appreciates it to a point, you know, right. now right. that he's almost 27, we joke about it, but it was constant. I remember one night walking into his room, I guess he was around 14 and I'm picking stuff up and looking at it. And he's like, dad, so what? He goes, we about to talk about sex again. <laughs> I was like, it's funny you should ask. We are, you know, and he's like, oh, all right, can we just do it then? And I'll just get it over with. <laughs> all right. So, um, so, and I know, how would you, because we've talked about reactive parenting a lot. How do you think you, how do you think your reactive parenting manifested? Well, I thought I was just going to be so intentional with everything mm. my children read and everything they watched mm. or didn't watch right. on didn't television. Watch. And uh, recently I was talking with my middle daughter, Karina, who's, she's 24 now, right? Yeah. And she reminded me of all the historical fiction that she read that instilled all of these fears in her, like... She knew way too much about the world. Like the one girl got scarlet right. fever. Yeah. And she thought she, she had it once. I'm sure she had scarlet fever. And <laughs> I realized, ta-da, there is your, you, just like you thought your mom let you watch anything that was on television from Brady Bunch to Love American Style without thinking about it. I thought, oh, if she's reading historical fiction for children, it should be fine. At least she's reading. Yeah. <laughs> so, she's that'll, reading, yes. yeah. <laughs> I saw my blind spot and then I thought, yeah, you just can't. You know, and it's so much like what you're talking about grace, and also Christine, what you said about this. If you're doing thirty percent right, I mean, just have some grace for yourself because it's a little low to me. You guys do whatever thirty. Well, <laughs> I checked with Karina, our masters in social work, to be today because she told me about this thing she learned called the circle of security. And huh? What is that? It is the idea that you are a landing place for your children. To um, come back to you when they get hurt or when they need to organize their feelings. You help them organize their feelings. And you also are a place to send them out from. A solid base to send out from and a solid landing place. And I said, what was the percentage you told me if I wanted to talk about that today? And she said, well, if if 30% of the time your child, when your child is discombobulated and you don't just hand them a French fry or tell them to sit in front of the TV but you actually help them sit and organize their feelings, that's enough hmm. to do good work. And wow. I thought, that's a great thing for parents to hear. Yeah, it is. Because that's about what's happening here. I'm yeah. not doing it 100%. But I'm, I'm with, I am available and helping my child, a young right. child in this case, to organize their feelings, and to talk about what's going on with them and why they're crying. Yeah. yeah. And I think parents instinctually do that. A lot, of us. a lot of us. I agree. And I think that, you know, it's important to take inventory of, of where we're at as parents and stuff. But I, I, like, if you say, how did you do as a parent? I, I go to the negative, like, immediately. I'm so easy to, like, I can ramble off all the things I did wrong. But I, I don't reflect much on, like, hey, what are things that are anchoring and what have been good things? And so maybe yeah. it would be good for parents to, like, pay attention to those things, too. What is working? Because we get so, I'm fear-based and shame-based on myself. And so I'm going to ask you guys, what, what do you think is something that you guys did good hmm. as parents? Like we mentioned earlier, the, the, the talking, mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of just honest, honesty coming from the parents. We learned mm -hmm. to say, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. as much as we said, I love you. Yeah. Because sometimes I love you doesn't cut it. You know, sometimes you got to be honest and say, I made a mistake. 
I think there's a built-in as, as your as far as your children are concerned. <clears throat> I think there's a built-in "I love you" when you say "I'm sorry." I think it's. Yeah. I think dads especially don't don't apologize to their kids enough. They do, be, because they have they have to they have to be the solid one. They have to be right. They have to be the pillar. It's not always for a bad reason, but they they perceive that they have to be strong in a way that "I'm sorry" doesn't really that doesn't really work with mm. that. If you apologize to your kids, you will build, you will build a future with them. I, I feel like we navigated so much because we showed our kids that we weren't right all the time. And we told them we knew we weren't right all the time. Um, you know, the, and as far as just communication goes, I, you know, navigating, navigating the teen years with a, with a, with a, a son, with a young man, um, is really tricky. And being in men's groups for me, I, I, I have to say it was the hugest thing for navigating those years with my son. Mm. The first time I ever realized that Julian was looking at things he shouldn't be looking at mm. on, on the internet. Uh, I took him out. I took him out for pizza and then we went and saw, um, what's the Jack Black movie? Uh, Nacho Libre. He laughed so hard when the, <laughs> yes. when the demon, demon dwarves yes. came in there. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, I took him out and, um, and it was a big night out, but I had something heavy I wanted to talk to mm-hmm. about. So at the pizza place, I told him, you know, hey, found something on the computer. Here's the consequences of that for right now. No, no computer for this period of time. And I said, and also, I just wanted to welcome you. He said, welcome me to what? I said, to the fraternity of men. Every man's struggle. Every man deals with yeah. what? And uh, and he's just he was just stunned. He was looking at me. And I that said, is huge. And, and he talks about, I said, um, in that conversation, I said, what I intend to do with you as my son and from here on in is that I don't ever want to put, I said, everybody's carrying a backpack. Here's the image I'll give to you. We're all carrying a backpack. And the only, I I want to put things in there that are nourishing to you. I want to put things for the journey. I never want to put rocks in your backpack. I never want to put shame or anything that will weigh you down on the journey because it's going to get hard enough as it is. Mm. And you're going to have to find people to walk with you along alongside you to help you shoulder that backpack. And so, and so right now I want to just remind you that you've now you're in the brotherhood, you're a man and you're going to deal with this the rest of your life Yeah. and remind you that I have, and all my friends, all the guys that, you know, all my friends deal with it too. And it was a turning point. It was a starting point. But it was also a turning point for our relationship. And we talk about it every, every once in a while. Like I said, he's almost 27 now. And that was a big deal to him that I didn't. Now, have I shamed my son before? Of course. Of course. Not, not yeah. ever wanting to or meaning to, but, you know, I'm a sarcastic guy. I can be cutting and I can do all kinds of damage with my words. But I got it right that day. That's really good. And we navigated a lot because of that. And he has said since, you know, my, at least my dad always told me the truth about his own failings. Mm. And so I feel like that's, to answer your question up earlier, that's one of the things I got right at that point in time. That's a great story because it's, it's not, it's not sweeping under the rug. There's still a consequence, but it's also gone, man, (laughs) welcome. That's such good language because it is like you're, you're welcoming into like the, the struggle, not just for men. It could be anything. It could be, you know, Mm -hmm. eating disorder. It could be whatever it is. It's just, you're not, you're not weird. Cause you looked at porn. You're not weird. Cause you deal with eating disorders. You're not, you're not outcast. You're part of the human condition. I think it's great, man. Awesome. Yeah. I, w- I was just listening and thinking yeah, there's a big difference between <clears throat> making an apology, um, the way I used to and the way that I've learned to as a dad. 
Um, I used to say, if I offended you, I'm sorry. Or if that offended you. I've learned to say, I screwed up. Will you forgive me for that? Instead of um, sort of ducking behind the shield of, well, that was just your perception of what I did versus what I did was actually wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I've noticed that that parents, uh, and, and I'm watching now as a grandfather, they, they really feel as if every day is almost a make or break. Like I've watched my grand, <clears throat> grandson and my daughter and son-in-law, they, they really feel the pressure that this child has to sleep on their stomach without a pillow or they could suffocate. Or they will. Or they will suffocate. Yeah. Or, and I don't mean any disrespect I, to them I, at all, but I they remember feeling the internet <laughs> has given them too much information. And so the fear idea has really gripped millennials because they can access information on anything instantly. And it's too much for, for them to process. And you are robbed then of that ability to be present in the moment. You're robbed of, of that idea of enjoying this journey together. And I, I, I wanted to just ask you a little bit about your blog because you're talking about this idea that we're in a story and that there's purpose to all this. And it's not just you're on a toboggan to hell. You, know? like there's, you, can, you can steer this thing a little bit. It's, it's not just out of control. Tell, tell our audience a little bit about your blog and what you're doing with that. Christine. My blog is, is, is based on the idea that we write our own medicine. It's for myself. It's reminding me that I, there is life in the beer story. I can't live in this tiny little fear story that mm. comes at me through the news every day. Yeah. That's why you stop reading the news, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I love being in the know. I want to know everything, but it's killing me. Yeah. And it's killing our kids. I get very emotional about it. No, I get it. It's, it's overwhelming. The news is not, and it's, yeah, it's too we much. Could, we could go yeah, off it's too much. for a long I, time. The idea of fasting <clears throat> media, the idea of just pulling back from the noise. Um, you guys don't know this, but I'm a big road tripper. I have a blog called Road Trip Parenting. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is I have to, I have to get away from the culture. And I usually go climb a mountain, literally go climb a mountain. Wow. Um, or I go to a lake that you can drink the water. You know, that... I go as far from the intensity of life as I can. And Jesus did that, right? Like mm-hmm. he would constantly withdraw from these crazy 12 guys that he was trying to disciple. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, as parents, I think we feel like we can't ever take a break. Like if we're not there 24-7, 365, something terrible will happen. Yep. And I, I just want to give permission to parents who are burned out, that are <clears throat> worn out, that are weary. That you can take a break. Grandma and grandpa, this is not their first rodeo. <laughs> they can take a couple of days yeah. of screaming and upset kids. And, uh, you know, to invest that time, not only in your marriage, but in yourself, is probably the greatest advice I could give. I like that. Mm-hmm. A parent right now. It's funny, our son, uh, Chris and Julian, have had a wonderful relationship all these years. But, you know, he's a he's a grown man now. and. Very busy and has a, and he just doesn't, he doesn't reach out as much as Chris would like, just mm. straight up, just doesn't. Well, he's a guy. Right. Yeah. And so, but it hurts, right? It, it hurts. Yeah. And so recently, Chris said that much and he responded, 
um, kind of like a guy, like, oh, I thought the amount I was reaching out was the appropriate amount. And it was, <laughs> so it didn't, it wasn't, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll do better. It was, it was, mm. however, it's, so they're pregnant. They're about to have their first in April. And we were joking about like, oh, just wait till that baby comes. He'll be reaching out left and right. <laughs> well, literally last weekend we had, we had dinner with, with he and his wife and he, he pretty much said, so you, when the baby comes, like, you're going to help, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was pretty much it, right? Well, I offered, and then he said, oh, good, because I was hoping. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of made a little mental note, like, yeah, the reaching out will. Yeah, it comes around. It'll happen automatically. But yeah. I think our son has a lot of energy. He has a limited amount of ener- emotional energy, and having a wife is where he wants to channel it. And mm. that is exactly as it should be. Yeah. I, I totally understand Oh, that. yeah, yeah. But You just miss him. Yeah. He did start calling wow. me, by the way, after that, every week. So that's that. Yeah, he wants to talk. He's to an Enneagram for that thing. Oh, oh there you go. Talk about yeah, Enneagram. Enneagram. Let's dive into that. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> that's a whole other thing, isn't it? <laughs> I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to wrap up. I think, I, think I have the sense we could go a long time. I think we could. Oh, uh, we can talk forever. Yeah, but, yeah. there's some good stuff here, though. I, this is this is real life, and this is how it really goes down. And for parents, I I just want to say that there is a a, a community of faith in every church. There are people like Scott and Christine in every church in America. If you are willing to, to ask for help, if you don't have parents nearby or you're estranged or you just feel isolated and alone, reach out, ask for some help, get into the, a community of faith because there are people who've been there before and uh, can, can encourage and support and in practical ways be an assistant to you. So uh, that that is one of the aspects of life that I didn't do well. I was not willing to. I was too proud. I didn't like to ask for help, and I know Robert's too proud too. So mm. I, I would fit that category. Would you fit that? Category? I think we're all too proud. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I think the three of you are just we're very proud, <laughs> and I'm glad that you're finally <laughs> confessing on microphone. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would end up by saying as well. Maybe that was your closing remarks, but parenting is the best job anyone will ever it's the best job you'll ever have and you should probably be fired from it occasionally but you won't be right you know you got to get better or worse for better or worse but you got yeah because once you're a parent you really are always a parent you just got to keep keep chipping away at it but it's a great job yeah it is. thank you guys so much for spending time with us and christine what how do people find out about your blog well it's christine dente out of the gray.com there you go and it's also called finding life in the bigger story awesome what a great title. She must be a lyricist. A little poetic. A songwriter. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> must be. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is uh, nearing the end of season five of Brilliantly Brave Parenting. And Robert and I will be right back here next week to taunt each other and to encourage you to be better parents under the grace of God. See you next week. Bye-bye. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week.
What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Um, so it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions, that really it's gonna, it's gonna establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith. That sounds very helpful, especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith, what they believe, what the voices of culture are telling them. If that's you and you're interested, go to iShineLive.com and check out in our web store, the Shock and Awe Study Guide. It has a digital cloud video base. So it's four studies in a small paperback volume for $9 and it has four videos that go with four studies. It can be done in a weekend, it can be done over a month, or it can be done bi-monthly, however you need it. It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church, and I have been impressed. So, check it out. Check it out. Well, we're very excited to announce a partnership with the guys that we know from Boise, Idaho, Robert. Yes, we are. New release today. They're fantastic. Very, very relevant for what's going on. If you want to discover new music in the Christian realm, that's kind of the only place to go. Yeah, and not only do they have amazing music and amazing reviews and just a lot of information about Christian artists, but they are creating with us a brand new devotional product. Call it IRL Resources. Do you know what that stands for, Brad? I found out. You did? What does it stand for? It stands for In Real Life. That's exactly right, Brad. Very good. In Real Life, because a lot of times we have these standard devotionals that you know that, that we see, and, and we thought that it would be kind of cool to use their expertise in Christian music, couple that with actual scriptural and devotional thought that digs you deeper, not only into the song, but incorporates it into real life. And so it's a very vibrant and very awesome resource for families and for pastors. Yeah, and so if you uh, have a preteen or a teen in your home and you're looking for a new devotional to do weekly, we have a digital subscription online at irlresources.com. It's very inexpensive. The first study is free to check it out. There's nothing to lose. You should go there and see what's the latest thing in Christian devotional. Absolutely. You won't regret it. 